Hi everybody, this is Lori and I am the founder and CEO of Inclusivity and our company is all about justice and kindness and creating sustainable fashion. And this is our podcast, Inclusiva Talks. And on the podcast today, we are incredibly lucky to be talking to Tacumba Aiken, who is an amazing artist in the Twin Cities. And so welcome Tacumba. What are you holding up for us? Oh, this is the mini me. This is this is a kid that decided he wanted to be an artist. Um, and this on the other side is my, when I was 20 working for Honeywell as a graphic designer, just after getting out of the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Hello. Very cool. How old were you in that other picture? Um, I think I was seven or eight. Okay. So that's when you decided to be an artist? No, no, when I was uh, six, I, was forced to be um, an artist because uh, my father decided that he didn't want me to do art because he could see the writing on the wall because I always drew. And so he uh, was getting ready to throw all, the way, all of my stuff. And my mother uh, got off of work early and stopped us at the garbage can and asked what was going on. And I didn't know what was going on. I saw a shiny garbage can. So I thought something great was about to happen. And uh, in retrospect, yes, if that's true. But he said, I, got, I can't let this boy go through with this. He, he's got to stop now. And she said, stop what? And he says, doing this art. And she asked why. And he said, he'll never make any money at it. And then she thought for a second and she said, um, why don't you have him do an exposition? And then I remembered this after years, talking to kids in kindergarten years later, that my dad said, an exhibit? So my father actually knew what it was called to show art. And she said, yes. And so he said, okay, he can do it in the recreation room, which I was not allowed in. So I got scared for the first, you know, I was frightened. And then she looked and thought and looked at me and kind of held me still. And she said, let's do that. And so I did a show in my father's recreation room, my, my mother and father's recreation room. But it was like my dad's place of solitude and his uh his stuff which i realized later was uh, crafts work and woodwork and stuff and and um uh, we my brother and i were only allowed to uh sweep that out mop it out wax it out and then get out we were never left <laughs> <laughs> so i did a show there for three three days friday saturday and sunday 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 is like, if you work, you go to hell day, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I was totally frightened because that's what the, you know, you tell the kids so the kids don't want to play and stuff. And uh, I did that show, had help from teachers. I made a flyer. They made copies with an AD Dick machine, which you have to print out in school, at least 50 copies for math, math problems and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those little pattern forms and yeah. stuff. And uh, on the bottom of it, I don't know who wrote it, but it said, uh, take one, make copies. So they have passed it through all the teachers in the district. And so I had hundreds of copies all over the place mm -hmm. with my artwork on it, which isn't too different than what I've been doing now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to admit, but I went through a lot of things to get back to it. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, then Sunday came and, uh, you know, we, had, we usually would have an early meal. People came through um and um my father said okay let's go finish this and so we went down to the basement and i saw all my artwork still there in my head you know uh i have a habit i do a lot of art and um so i couldn't i, I didn't know what to think and he told me to go get the box which was a tipperillo box that uh people paid their money in there and um my brother would take the money and put it in the box, put it in the box, put it in the box, and then put it back. <laughs> so, uh, my brother doesn't like that story, but uh, my father finally said, open it, and I couldn't, my hands were so sweaty, and he said, what is wrong with you? And then I, he pulled it open a little bit, and I pulled open the rest of it, and then all this green paper came out. I moved that green paper around, and it was full like that with coins. As he, I heard him screaming at me, boy, have you gone crazy? Because I didn't know the green paper was money. I, you were little. Huh? You were little. I was six. 
So you had your first art show at six. Yeah, it, it either was six or five, because that year I was going to be six, but I always say six. So yeah, he was, he wanted, he saw it. See, you have to, one thing you have to realize with me is I started school when I was three. Okay. But my brother was uh, five years older than me and my father was not going to take two kids two different places after a while he just was like fed up with that and so the next year he put me in to the kindergarten he just walked in and sort of slid me in and said he's big enough and walked away well nobody's going to say anything to Mr. Aiken <laughs> hey, <laughs> what, uh, you, what did your father do to come back my father was a garbage man Okay. He, uh, he uh, picked up uh, a lot, mostly at factories and um, department stores and stuff like that. Many, many years later, almost closer to when he died, we found out he owned half of it. But we didn't know that when we were kids because we, didn't, we weren't privy to business right. or money or anything. And as far as we knew, we were comfortably poor. You know, um, I knew something happened when we moved to another house. When I was about... Um, maybe four or five. I know I had to walk to school and it wasn't kindergarten. That started at Foster and then I went to Dewey where the Dewey Decimal System came from. And uh, yeah, I must have been like five, five years old, four or five years old. And uh, um, I always could rely on art. I didn't talk like this, that's for sure. I was I was a, 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 what you call an extreme introvert then. Now I'm just a social introvert, you know. Uh, and um, yeah, so I did the, did the show and we counted the money and um, I made $657.36. Frightening. Wow. And I just said, 36 cents? <laughs> <laughs> so Tacoma, when that happened, did your dad suddenly say, okay, maybe art? No, 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 no. Okay. But my mother said, you have to look him in the eye, which means you have to get some kind of agreement here. She wasn't down there. It was just my dad and I. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to look him in the eye, which I never did before. He says, you have something to say to me? And I'm like, yes, sir. He says, well, then say it. I said, can I do my own art, sir? <laughs> really loud. And he looked at me. And maybe there was some smile somewhere way back there, but he was very sternly said, you know, you can do your art and pay for your own damn law school. And I was like, I can do my art. Forgot to play the whole thing through my head. And then he put out his hand. Now a man puts out his hand and shakes another one's hand. That was an agreement. He saw it all over. It didn't matter what part of the world you came from. When he shook that hand, that was it. That was your word was your bond. You didn't have to have a contract or anything like that. You know, our paperwork was uh, uh, kind of suspicious because if you speak another language, you don't know what that means. But if you describe what you're going to do and shake your hand, that's it. Mm -hmm. So I shook that hand and then 12, 12 years later, I found out what a law school was. I was like, no. <laughs> he took me into one of his friends' businesses and we went in the back room. God, I can't remember his name now. My brother just reminded me of his name. One of my dad's best friends had a uh, exchange, uh, money exchange, currency exchange, mm -hmm. and a uh, Jewish man. And uh, they were secretly partners for years. You know, they had a graveyard. And one part of it was called a garden. One part of it was called a cemetery. And, um, and um, way out somewhere, which now it's got all these high rises around it. And they were like, we got to move that cemetery. And I'm like, that's kind of impossible. Mm -hmm. So, but um, he took the money and put it in savings, gave me the 36 cents. And I was the Mac Daddy of the candy world for two weeks straight. I always got two big bags, brown bags of candy. Penny candy then was probably a half a, a third of a bag, you know. And um, so 36 cents, I was just holding <laughs> these things like <laughs> I, got, I was allowed to sit on my front steps, which we were never allowed to do because that was like bummy or something. I don't know what it was, but, you know, you, know, you got a backyard. Why are you sitting on the front steps? You know, that's my dad's. And uh, so I gave the first candies to girls. All the girls got candy. And boys only got candy if they said nice things to the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
I had a brother five years older than me, and he was a nice to girls. And we, we had no sisters, so we were, um, and our cousins were even all boys. So oh, interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had, a, I, had a, I had a young lady remind me about that nine years ago. She said, remember when you gave me that candy when you were really little and you had the big bags of candy? I'm like, <gasps> I don't even know who you are. She says, I don't know who you are, though. So, so really Tukumba, nice. was your mom always supportive of your art? My mom was kind of the, the reason that I'm doing my art. She was okay. the one. Um, um, I have fallen on my head. Um, I think I was 11. And uh, my eyes were skewed. It was actually seemed like it was turned sideways. And sort of that, uh, those photographs you do with the um, solarized kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This black and white shimmery thing and I couldn't look at light well. And I thought my art, my world has ended. I can't do art at all, I don't, you know. And my mother worked for two very, uh, two um, millionaire families and she cleaned house. Mm -hmm. And um, she brought home a bottle of ink and a pen that's known as a croquel pen now, you know, uh, I didn't know what it was called. And she popped it open and sat, oh, it's funny, I got a board sitting on my table now, sat it on the board on the, uh, on the kitchen table and I put the ink down in the pen and some paper. And I was trying to figure out what's going on because I'm supposed to set the table, it's time for your supper. She said, we'll eat outside, you just go and draw. Because I was hyperventilating, I was super upset, but I knew that I was more upset if I didn't get that table set. And she says, no, we'll go outside. I think it must have been summer. It was summer because my brother got eaten up by mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And he hated me for years because of that day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I spilt a little water on it. And I was like, I don't know. And she said, just, just draw. And I drew. And because of the way my eyes are, I could see the ink spread. And I could see like depths, I would say 20 layers. And I could see colors moving. I could see trees growing and then birds flying and I could do another thing. And I was just there. I remember my dad going by me going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and just went by because I had fallen, you know, bad on my head. And um, uh, So did that um, change your perspective permanently? I, I don't, I don't think it changed my eyes. Cause I talked to a, not a neurologist, but some, some man at the children's hospital that dealt with the here, um, at Gillette Children's Hospital, he said, that wouldn't have changed the cones in your eyes. Mm -hmm. He said, that's something that you have, have always had. And I'm colorblind. And so, and I do more color than anybody. Well, not, not anybody, mm -hmm. but I do a lot of color. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, to compensate. But my mother taught me color by just putting two apples down and said, which is the red one? And I'm like, they're both red. And she says, which is the red one? And she would show me, and then she'd take me out to her rose garden and she said, see the stems, that's green. I'm like, okay, and see the flowers, that's red. Mm -hmm. Like, but mom, they kind of, she says, look at them carefully. And she would say, look at them with the eyes of God. Oh, interesting. I'm like, I don't know them so well, but you know, I'll look. And then I started seeing the depth and the, the flowers and the layers and the, you know, the things underneath and underneath, the bee coming out. Of the you know, I was like, <gasps> she says, you have to look. If you want to do this, you have to look. And so she would say fire engine, and I would say red, and I would take the apple, and the one apple didn't look like the same kind of thing mm -hmm. as the other apple. So then that one was red. So then we just laid out my colors and put, you know, my crayons, and then put a piece of tape on it with the name on it, or, you know, I would have to put them in the same space that had red, you know. And uh, I thought I was a kid with a lot of art materials, but my mother would break the crayons in half. <laughs> so <laughs> I would have 10 instead of five. <laughs> but yeah, my mother, my mother pushed me, but my dad um, watched from afar because I realized my dad was a, a frustrated artist that was not allowed to pursue. And so he worried all the time that I was gonna starve, gonna starve. And he, he put my money in savings. So, by the time I went to school, I had quite a lot of money. You know, if you figure out what you have at six years old, you know, um, uh, and then what $657 turns into, mm -hmm. you know, 
but by that time I was I was a sort of an entrepreneurial curious kid that always wanted to do business and all of that till one time I got beat out of business so badly that I didn't want to have anything to do with business or money or anything like that which is probably why I have the problems I have now because <laughs> I I'd rather give it away than somebody take it away you know and so I um, ended up uh, having to work that out of my head but um, uh, yeah I, I, I just you know like a lot of people think that rich people are bad I'm like you just the opposite you know there are some people that are rich that you know keeps thriving for more but there's usually the second or third generation of someone that worked hard for it and they just don't know what to do with it but they think they have to prove that they can make more no matter what you know and I grew up around I grew up in Evanston Illinois so I, there was a lot of very wealthy families in Evanston, Wilmette, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of the uh, suburbs going along the Lake Michigan, you know, um, and I went to school with a large portion of people. I mean, we didn't really know what we had. I mean, kids thought we were wealthy because we had a chandelier in our, our living room and you could see this big picture window. But I remember when we moved into that house, we all slept in the same bed in front of the picture window. Uh, and I, I had the privilege of being by my dad's feet. My head was there, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so Takumba, you had your first show at five or six, and six, then yeah. what? What was sort of your next? What happened next as far as your art? My next aha, I call them my aha moments. Yes. My next aha moment that really was big was uh, many, many years later. Um, uh, I was invited to go to Aspen at uh, 15 or 16 years old, Aspen Design Conference as a representative of uh, Chicago, Evanston, but Chicago for the Container Corporation of America because this black man that worked there, I think he might've been in marketing or a VP of some kind, uh, big Afro sideburns, you know, the, the 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 vest and the jacket and the bell bottoms all all uh, green corduroy you know clean as a tack uh, that's a good thing and uh, his name was Steve Frazier and he came into the high school and I kind of had a free pass in the in the art corridor we had uh, um, an art department equivalent to a college art department uh, Evanston was quite large. And because of the wealth and parts of the family, they made sure that the whole school was uh, uh, set for preparing kids for college. And uh, we had two swimming pools. One was an Olympic pool, and the other was just a regular pool. And we had an indoor track, an outdoor track, and then another kind of smaller outdoor track for practice. We had football and soccer fields, and then we had a football stadium. I like thought that was normal <laughs> until I ran into people that said, we had four rooms. I'm like, four rooms in which floor? No, we had a four-room schoolhouse. I'm like, what? You mean like Little House in the Prairie? Oh, no, they had six. We had four. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but I ran into friends like that and, you know, amazing artists, you know, but then I realized that it wasn't just a generation before me, but there were people that were, you know, not considered poor, but not wealthy, you know, they're not poor if you're on a farm, you can grow food and feed yourself, you know, so I, and, and I grew up in a r- urban community by rural parents that came out of South Carolina. Okay. So I had a different viewpoint, you know, when I, uh, you know, my dad had a, a garden that was a block and a half long. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you go work the garden, it was like work in the field because, mm-hmm. and I had to have different shoes and clothes hidden because I have to do things in the morning and there's manure and the, you know, and right. so I changed uh, uh, between these two stores, would change my clothes until uh, Mr. Johnson said, why don't you just leave your clothes here and change them here. And then when you get out of school, come and work on the stock room. And, and so that's how my entrepreneurial thing expanded. But I did this show, I did in the show, I was invited to Aspen. 20 other artists were invited there, African-American artists, all of them, but one other was a college, um, engineers, architects, uh, graphic designers, um, something else. How old were you? Um, let's see, I was born in 52 and I was 1969. Okay. 
So that's like 17. 17. Yeah. Or I was going to be 17 that year because it was in the, close to the summer. It was the summer because I was out of school. So, yeah, it's always baffles me, this age thing, because I get confused because my birthday is December 29th. So, uh, you know, always at the, the end of the thing, and then all of a sudden I pop into a new year, and I'm like, it's not a new year for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it started and it ended already. And so I, um, I was honored to do it, and I uh, had asked my parents for permission, I knew they were going to say no because they, my mother didn't want me to go anywhere. To, you know, coming out of the South, traveling was for a young black man in the early 60s then. Well, that was 69. That wasn't early 60s. It was rough, you know. Um, and uh, they said yes. They met the, 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 the head of the department, Mr. Lewis, Royce Lewis, from I think either Louis, Louisiana, no, Louisville or Kentucky. And he had this amazing voice that he spoke like this. It was very articulate. Mr. Aiken, would you please have a seat? I'm like, me? I, no, I just brought Mr. Fraser. He says, oh, yes, but we were expecting you as well. Did you not get the message? Like that. And I had never met him before. I only knew he was in that room. After the room, you know, it's like you go in the office and then it's a glass wall and he's in there and you can smell the tobacco of, a, uh, of his pipe. And I thought, whoa, that's cool, but, uh, you know, I'm just asking if I can get a key to go in a certain room. So they asked me to go, and uh, I went, and I was, you know, I was a sugar foot. I was, like, new, you know, just young, nothing. Even the African-American kids that were there, they ignored me because I was too young, and they wanted to go drink, and I couldn't go drink. And, you know, but I got mad at them, and I put my bell bottoms on, and I had my puffy sleeve silk shirt with my emblems and my initials on it, <laughs> my monogram. And I went, and at first they wouldn't let me into the saloon looking part, but they were playing this amazing James Brown music. And I'm like, is James Brown here? And it was all these white guys with beards and boots. And <laughs> I was like, wow. So they let me go into this, the restaurant that had a door into it. And I sat there and I met somebody and I talked to her. And then when they came in, they, the, the black kids came in. They were like, what's he doing here? You know, and then they were like, uh, oh, and I got to tell this one, but so I had my first drink. <laughs> I had a rum and coke. <laughs> the lady asked me if I wanted a drink, and I'm like, yes. And she said, what would you like? I said, what would you like to make me? She says, oh, let me see what I can do. Never asked me for my ID, you know. But yeah. the minute the other people came in, she asked them for their ID, and they didn't have it, so she kicked them out. She said, oh, I can serve you, but I can't serve you alcohol. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and I was yeah. sitting there with a very nice lady and the woman that was serving me, she says, do you have something to say? If you have something to say, good, stay. If you don't, please leave. And they just quieted down. And um, then I met Saul Bellows there and there was this woman that was a black woman from Harlem that was a um, city council person. <laughs> and she was doing a talk about um, what I'm doing right now, living in a, um, a loft, uh, converting it, but they were taking the, this apartment buildings and doing, are you still there? Are you yep, there? I'm here. We got you back. Okay. I got a call that came through. I just declined it. Um, uh, and um, she was talking about people owning their homes and building them and, and also talking about, but this was, uh, Aspen Design Conference, and when I looked at the brochure, it was about art and housing, which oh. I'm in art and housing. So my whole, not knowing, but the listening to these lectures and seeing architects and engineers talk about how they could get affordable housing and how they could make things happen mm -hmm. and have artists live. And I just was like, it was predestined. Stuff is just being laid at me. Then the next one was 1977. Okay. I went to... Um, I was asked to uh, be a representative for the United States at uh, the Second World Black and African Cultural Arts Festival. And, wow. and I know, Lagos, Nigeria. And I was, um, uh, I was trying to compete with the other African-American artists in Minnesota, but when the deadline came, they weren't ready for the competition here so they said, no, don't send your things in. We'll have to wait to see who wins here, and we'll send it there. And being young and full of vinegar and 
respectfully, but you know, I'm like, rules are rules. Um, they say they need it on the 29th, mm-hmm. you know, postmark. That's when you should put it in. And they looked at me as like, look at this little snot-nosed kid. He does this crazy-looking art. He wants to listen to him. I mean, this is African-American artist. And I had some representational things that would come in because I'm African-American. And at that time, you know, it said loud, I'm black and I'm proud. And the Afri- Afrobeat was starting. All these things are going on. And a lot of revolutionary things were happening. Um, but I still added these elements of color and movement and depths of things because that's what I saw, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, I do pointillism and do an Afro. And when you look at the Afro, you can see people marching and you can see, you know, protests and all of that. But when you look back, sat back, we look just like some, you know, uh, good looking guy with an Afro, you know, very strong, mm-hmm. powerful face. So I ended up... Um, getting asked to go there because I sent my stuff in and they didn't. So I was the only representative out of Minnesota, African-American that went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wow, that changed my world. I saw color for the first time when I got to Africa. I don't know how to explain it, but things, carvings are cut in certain ways and pottery in certain ways. All of a sudden I could see color just like mind boggling. Uh, and uh, music and representatives from all over the world, thousands upon thousands, I think like 30, 40,000. I'll have to, I just got the book about Festac. Uh, it was sent to me because I contributed some photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just, you know, uh, musicians and Africans from Russia and Africans from. Uh, China, Africans, just, I mean, it was, yeah. I'm like looking and I'm going and I'll say hello and they'll say, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Where a lot of Americans were going, I don't know what you're talking about. That wasn't me. I was like, uh, slower, <laughs> slower. And uh, they said, oh, you speak English. I'm like, Yes, isn't that what we're supposed to speak? And it says, we who? I'm like, African-Americans. Or, no, I guess we speak different African languages. Where are you from? And he was like, you know, China, you know, Guangzhou, something like that. You know, I remember Guangzhou because it sounded like gone, gone show. You know, gone, like gone. And I showed, that was the first time I showed international. I showed four pieces there at the wow. International Museum. Yeah, it was just like, I'm not thinking. I sent the stuff in, like they told me. They sent me a ticket. Well, actually, they called me one day and said, uh, uh, is this sticker with Tyrone Aiken? I'm like, yeah, so this is, uh, 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 what's his name, Jeffries. Uh, he was the head of the Fine Arts Department at Howard. But he's, he was talking, and he said, you've been selected to be a representative for the uh, the second annual uh, Black African Festival in 1977, Festac 77. Well, I hadn't heard of it being called that because it was supposed to be in 75. So I thought that somebody, one of these African-American artists that laughed at me for sending my stuff in was playing a trick, so I hung off the phone. But then the phone rang again. I'm like, hello? And I heard the same voice. I'm like, hello? And he says, hello, do you want to hang up this phone again or do you want to go to, to Lagos, Nigeria to represent your country? Okay. I, 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 I want to represent my country. He says, well, then don't be so pertinent or something like that, some word like that. He said, and listen carefully because I will not repeat myself. And I'm like, yes, sir. And then he told me what I needed to do, and I did it. And I caught a plane from here to Chicago, and there was a big plane that was bringing people from the West Coast, and we were going to connect with them and get on that plane. And and there were some difficulties held us up for like 18 hours because the United States didn't want to put any money into this because even though we explained it as the Olympics of the fine arts, um, they don't want to do anything. And then we found out that Andrew Young, who is uh, head of the United Nations, representative for the United States, uh, commandeered a plane. <laughs> we didn't know that okay. until they were like, get on the plane, don't say anything, have a good trip. So that left Chicago and we went to Madrid 
And we had to get off of that plane to get on a plane to go to Nigeria. And even going to Madrid was interesting. And I always wore a suit. You know, I almost, I almost had a suit jacket. I have a suit jacket behind me here, but I didn't want to frighten you. I didn't want to get too, too fancy. Um, but I, I, put, I had a suit on and all of that. And I noticed that all the people but our people had suits on because of a very European uh, kind of style. You wear a suit or you dress well when you're flying on a plane. Mm -hmm. And so then I uh, uh, seen these ladies laughing and then they went out a door. They, one of them came through a door that said, do not exit. And they were all models. They were all fashionable, you know, shoes and all that. And I, I was way into fashion and I was drawing, creating clothes and stuff. And so I was like, you know, excuse me. And one spoke Spanish, one spoke French. I knew some French. And then one spoke English. And uh, she said with a Southern accent, a, a like high-end Southern accent, come with us. And I'm like, well, I got to catch it. She said, oh, we're on that plane too. I'm like, what? So said, come with us. It's going to be seven hours. I'm like, seven hours? <laughs> I can't stand here for seven hours. So I went with them. Went out that door <laughs> and saw Madrid, you know, and uh, ate some food. And she says, da, 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 da. and then like, okay, let's go. They got a car and we went back and walked right back through that door. And she said, go wash your face. And I'm like, what? She just put just So I washed my face because I was sweaty, right? And uh, um, everybody's like, where have you been? We got to get on the plane. I'm like, I know, I was just asleep. <laughs> I got on the plane. Another thing that was wrong was I had just gotten hit by a car two weeks before I got on that plane to go. And I had, uh, they, uh, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was from February. So the car hit me and spun me around. And uh, I was about to go over one of those overpass things where you go over down to the other freeway. And I'm just like, don't like to bother you, but God help. <laughs> and it stops. And I hated doing that because my mother was super religious and a healer and stuff like that. So I didn't want to do any of that stuff. And I went in, uh, to the hospital and they said, oh, we we're going to have to take another uh, look at your vertebrae. And, and I'm like, okay. And they says, do you hurt? And I just lied. I said, no. And they said, well, I said, excuse me, sir. I have to catch a plane to, to, to Nigeria. <laughs> In, in, in a week or a week and a half or something like that. He says, well, you can't do that at all. And I'm like, I have to. I, I, I have to. He says, well, I can't give you permission to do that. So if you want to do this on your own, I'm like, but is there anything I can do? You know, and he finally called me and said, look, come in. I, and, you know, we're going to check you out, but I'm going to give you a letter. And you do not open this letter. You give it to the physician on that plane. Because like, you know, the Olympics, they have a physician. We actually had a physician. And I didn't give it to him until we were on flight in the Madrid. <laughs> and that man cursed me out up and down the sideways. You know, he says, do you have any medicine on you? I'm like, well, I have these. He took the pills. He said, these are painkillers, and I'm not giving them to you. <laughs> Damn it. I was playing. I was, this was supposed to be my vacation. He was really <laughs> pretty boy, weird, and all of that. So I went. And I was there for three weeks, four weeks. There's not enough books to explain all the great experiences there. I met I met Betty Sarr, who became a really great friend, and she's in her 90s. She might be 96 now. I thought she, when I met her, I thought she was a year younger than me. This tiny, and I'm like, what did she put gray in her hair for? You know, it was orange and gray. Amazing artist. And where is she to come up? He's in San Francisco, uh, Oakland, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, even her, her daughter, Allison, is very famous now, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, you know, I met people that I even, I met, oh, I met um, Sun Ra uh, uh, and went to, a, well, kind of a concert, a club that was uh, run by um, fellow Ranzakuti, big time, big time, big time Nigerian artist, dissident. Uh, uh, um, uh, similar to Bob Marley, you know, mm -hmm. and his 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 stance and the way music grew out of his, that. I there were days I didn't even remember, but we'd be in that place and music would just be going, and Sun Ra would be battling against uh, fellas fellas groups, and Sun Ra would have brought like I don't know, 
it looked like 20, but maybe 10 drummers and some horns. And, and Asanra brought that. And then the keyboards, he was playing the organ. And he played this thing. He played this, I don't know if it was two hour, three hour long thing. And you could hear that that music came from outer space, landed in Africa, went to the islands, came to the northern, northern, north, and you know, from the way the music was played, you could hear how music changed, and then it went back up to space. I was like, and I saw it, and I, and I had, I had been drawing that anyway, and so I saw it, just like I was watching this movie. I was like, and he was, he was out there, somehow was out there, and fella would come back with, uh, his band, and all of a sudden he realized he didn't have enough horns and he might just be singing and yelling out something and 12 other horn players will come, you know, or, or be sitting around and they bring out these big horns. It was a battle. It was, it was a battle. Both of them were laughing. So Tacumba, when you got back, how did that change you? Like, how did it change how you created or how you thought? Because or... it sounds like it was impactful. It was impactful. I, I saw color. I started doing color. Okay. Because I was doing pen and ink, black and white. Okay. I think I went to work for Honeywell. No, maybe I was to work for Honeywell. Oh, well, I did. Um, can't quite remember. I was working with the African American Cultural Center, which was a cultural center. We were getting ready to turn it into a museum. Okay. Uh, uh, Senator Humphrey was getting ready to uh, do uh, attach it to a bill so that we could get our building. Rhoda Lund of the Lund families uh, had donated a building uh, for us, but some kind of way, the other organization, because we didn't have our 501c3, and when I say we, not me, but the people that were running it, I was just a curator or, or art teacher. Uh, but I was, Setu and I, that's where Setu and I met, Setu okay. Jones, and we became collaborative partners from 72 on. So then by 75 or 76, Setu had gone to Africa, and I went in 77. You couldn't keep us from traveling after that. You know, I went to Brazil, took him to Brazil. Um, he went to China. We just, you know, and we bring back the information and paint and create and paint. Mm -hmm. I did murals. I did murals when I came back. Okay. And I did um, murals because in Africa, what we call art is just commonplace kinds of things that are art, but it has more of a spiritual uh community social um, need or uh, purpose. Mm -hmm. And here, um, the museums, you couldn't see that or sense that at the time. Um, uh, it was more for the, these were for the elite, the rich, the royals, um, and we were able to gaze upon them, you know, by going to the museum. Right. Even when they showed the African stuff, they made it make you think that there were these royalties and these sculptures are made uh, in the context of just being sitting on a pedestal, which I argued with them until we changed it in the 80s uh, to identify um, where they're from and who the people are living there. And even pictures of the people, just a little, you know, one or two pictures can tell you the whole story that these are real people, they're alive, they're intelligent, they're spiritual, you know. And so um, my goals were a lot of different things and trying to bring communities together and heal communities. Uh, my mother was a healer. She died on my 20, 20th birthday on December 29th. And I couldn't avoid being uh, lassoed in. You know, that's what, I think that was her purpose. And I, I was kind of angry because <laughs> I saw it happening right in front of my eyes. It was within seconds. So Africa, Brazil, um, those places became interesting to me. And actually, I went to Brazil with Say Two. I took Say Two, I think for his birthday, because um, uh, my ex-wife didn't believe I was going to go, <laughs> could go. I'm like, no, I'm going to make the money and go. And I was inviting her. She didn't think I could go, wanted to, could go. So I was like, okay, well, I got to do this. You got to get a passport. She didn't think I had to do it. So I invited Say Two, you know, saw this picture in a National Geographic of the new city of Brasilia in Brazil. And there were two warriors, one with the shield, one with the spear. Mm -hmm. One was tall, one was small. And I said, that's me and say too. So, you know, I took, I tore that out and I put that with an invitation uh, in this thing and said, happy birthday. And mm -hmm. 
let's go. And that was um, because the reason I wanted to go is because in 88, we were going to have a show at the, uh, at the Mia called Spirit House. And the premise of that show was what would African-Americans art look like if Africa was not disturbed? Would there be any? What would, what, what, what would that look? What would the artifacts look like? Or some kind of semblance of taking what was in the past and putting it into the future mm -hmm. by way of present. But, um, uh, which I changed later, past, present, now, because the future is always now. So, you know, so says the soothsayer. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we did that show and we opened it up on 8888 called Spirit House. And uh, I thought it was cool, you know, cool date. And they agreed. And then we, um, well, we didn't, and that was with Say to William Slack, who's passed now. And uh, we did this show that was just amazing. Um, uh, yeah. You know, while I'm talking, I wanted to show you something. I was talking about, um, what year was this? This would have been in the 70s. Can you see that? Right. Yes, that's fantastic. And this was the thing of, um, you know, because of the riots and the protests and stuff like that, um, it was like we're never we'll never die because our strength is love, even though you don't think it is because you're making up another scenario. You're making mm -hmm. up another story. And um, uh, you know, I I was taught that all my all people were my brothers and sisters. That's a really hard thing to think about because my brother beat me up all the time. So <laughs> I'm like, all these people are gonna beat me up, you know. I didn't have a perspective from other people's families, but just mine. But, um, oh, you know, I'm working on this for you. I know. I wanted to get to that. Yeah. See that? So that's wonderful. Can you hold it the other way? Because the longer way, yeah, it, it will go that way. Oh, okay. So tell us a little bit about that, Tacumba. Well, right now, um, right now, I, I started a, in this darker blue here. Yeah. Hold on one second. I want to try to get rid of this thing on my. Oh, there it is. Now I can see. So, the dark blue lines repeat themselves across. And I was just going to start a thing with uh, some of my symbols. I'm creating this thing called Tacumba Cons. So this piece uh, with the spiral mm -hmm. and the nose. Um, uh, actually, going to make it easier. I will just draw it again. Oops, that's a different one, but kind of. Nope. Okay, well, this is another symbol I'm going to be creating. Is that like that? Yeah. Okay. So when it's a double spiral, it means infinite wisdom. Now, this one is interesting because this is the one that means infinite wisdom, if I can, like that. Uh, like this? Mm-hmm. So that double spiral, only women have that. Double wisdom, you know, from life to death, the kind of thing like that. Man, I had a whole lot of arguments with guys with that, but I'm like, hey, point in case, you know, <laughs> you got to argue with me about it. You don't understand it. So that would go across and it would represent infinite wisdom. Um, sorry. And uh, that's funny because it still looks sideways with me, but... Um, but then this black line is just the start of something that I was going to do a little bit of, if you can see, let's see where can I put it, right here. And I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. See if I can do this and then put the, so this is going horizontal with you like this now? Um, it goes so that the, it, it's longer um, up and down and shorter wide. So it's, it's 12 inches high and 10 inches wide. What about now? So right there, it looks like you're putting it the wrong way. So this is good for you? Yeah. So far. <laughs> so, uh, well, you can see, well, here, I'll give you Yeah, it so the, t the part closest to you, Tacumba, is the bottom of the panel. So what's closest oh. to you right now is the bottom of the panel. Okay. Well, then, can you see that? Um, whoops. Whoops. whoops, sorry, 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 whoops. Sorry. It's okay. okay. I'm trying to 
get a perspective. Can you see the? I can't see the canvas my, at all right now. I can just see you. That's my shirt. Okay, here we go. That's better. Okay, so can you see those circles I'm yes. making? So that's the mouth. Okay. Because this become the eyes. Oh. So then maybe it turns another way. <laughs> see? And then this becomes the eyebrows or bird's wings. I think that everybody, the tribal um, connection is really in the eyebrows. And I look at them as wings to see if people are sores or um, uh, are just um, flying hard in the air. And then I do this underneath. See the face now? Now that part we can't see, Tacumba. So could you tip your phone a little more? Like that? You bet much better. Right there. Oh, that's okay. awesome. Then I connect with another nose and go across. Did you see that? I do, yeah. Boy, it's really hard to figure out looking at it upside down. And, and so then this connects people, family, community, that kind of thing. I love that. So then the other thing that I do that I discovered was that I can go like this, 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 and this. Can and you turn a little bit to the side? Because we can't see that part of the... Is that like, like that? Um, a little bit more to your right. Yeah, like that's that? better. Okay. So then I'll do it again. Well, this one's different, but I can do it here. It's like this, 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 the fingers. And then I just put a line here and a line here. It becomes hands. Okay. So hold so, that up for us, Tacumba. Okay. Let me do that. Like that. Oh, that is awesome. See that? Yeah, that is magnificent. So most times I do black and white first because I'm colorblind. So it's like doing bl uh, blueprint, but a black print. Sure. And then I put the colors in. But so I started one time, uh, I needed some money. <laughs> and I started putting big blobs of different kinds of colors all around. And then I put the black line on top okay. of it. Oh, oh, I have an example. You think I know what I was doing with all of this going on. I do think you know what you're doing. See? Oh, sure. Oh, that's very cool, Tacumba. So this symbol is the I know person, one spiral. That could okay. be female or female. And it spirals and it makes a face inside of there so that information falls down into it. It's a mm -hmm. cone thing. So then, as long as we're on this rhythm pattern and symbols, now I'm gonna be ready for this. Are you ready? We're ready. Okay, everybody, that's an older piece. Oh yeah. Wow, that's just, there's After so much just, there to come by. I know, after I do the rhythm pattern, which is the outline, which is the blueprint, Okay. Then I might go back in and shade areas and, and dry brush other areas. Then I start seeing people inside it. So then I start um, trying to bring those out with detail. And at first I just painted them around and, you know, you can see characters like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. So it's almost like some kind of motion picture, but still. You know, mm -hmm. and I should have showed this one first because it's a little simpler. These are part of my collection. Yeah. They always come out when I want money, but I never, I never sell them. I just do more work. It's almost like my encyclopedia or my glossary. Sure. So, and by the way, 
buy whatever she's selling because artists need work money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, Takumba, so I would just want to um, for a minute say that the piece that you were just working on, you're actually creating for the auction that we are holding, um, which is called Artists Who, Who Share. And it's an auction to raise money for both the artists and also um, the United Way coronavirus uh, recovery efforts. So that is a piece that will be going into our auction when you finish it and we get it from you. And yes. um, it's spectacular. We're excited about there. that. It's getting there. <laughs> and um, so that's something we're doing. We actually have, I think, 20 artists now signed on to do the auction to COVID. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah I, a lot of times I, I can't, um, of course, there were times when I could give money and, and take care of people that way, but I always consider my art, my um, my real treasure chest and treasure trove. And so I'm always happy to, to do things that um, I can take my art and lend it to it. You see oh, that? Yes. So these are pieces that I'm actually going to be putting on, not those slides I showed you before, but this piece and a few other pieces I'm going to be putting on um, uh, Instagram and Facebook to sell. Okay. These are the pieces like the Walker owns a piece, three, four, four pieces like this. Okay. They uh, three pieces like this. They own they own about twelve pieces of mine. Um, some are very um, large scale, but I'm glad I found these today. Thank God for things falling. <laughs> yes, when things fall, sometimes you find a lot. Yeah. Oh, that is just beautiful. You know, they say every time it rains, it rains, pennies from heaven, paintings from Tacumba. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start singing it that way. So okay. Tacumba, if you um, were, were giving a message to younger artists, what would you say? Don't do it. <laughs> do not I had a musician say that to me once. You know, I always say that because that's exactly how I became an artist. Yeah. You know, because it's this. If I say don't do it and you don't do it, then you weren't meant to do it. If I say don't do it and you do do it, you can fall up, down and all that, but do it because you love doing the work. Right. That has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with accolades. The world of art is so con confounding. Mm -hmm. it's, there's so many different worlds of art worlds yeah. and um, I can't even name them you know because I, it confuses me <laughs> yeah. and I'm stuck, I'm stuck in about three of them I'm a public artist which I changed to public fine art because I use this kind of painting to do paintings outdoors right you know um, uh, but I, I figure people should still have the same thing that I would give a museum in their neighborhood yeah, I love that. So I'm not trying to simplify it. There are murals that I've done that have social messages and all that, but I try to have the quality as hard and as tight as I'm able to do at that time. So it has changed over time, you know, and that's valid. You can't, you can go to Picasso and find things that suck, but he used them to make them better. Yep. <laughs> you know, and other people, and people collect all of them because then you have your history so this is from the past is where this present future thing came from, you know? So, um, oh, I got to show you this one because it's bugging me to show you, show you, show you. Well, we love that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, so I, I, I think, um, beautiful artists, people that want to do art, just do it. <laughs> you know, if you have the time, not money, but if you have the time, seek out online classes, seek out, just looking at things. Um, I've just done it all my life. And so I didn't want to look at other artists' work until I was like in my 20s, you know, because I didn't want to be influenced, you know. But every time somebody looked at my art before my 20s, they would name off an artist. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's mine. And it's like, you know, like somebody said once when I was like um, 12, maybe, oh, that's clay. And I'm like, no, no, it's tempera on paper no that's clay and i'm like you know paul clay my work looked similar to what they knew and they were like you studied a lot of artists and i'm like i haven't studied anybody <laughs> and then finally <laughs> someone said 
you should study other artists. You're not going to, you only can take out of it what belongs to you. I want, I let people, I teach people how to do this rhythm pattern in schools. There are hundreds of thousands of people that know how to do rhythm pattern because I've been teaching it in schools since probably the 80s, you know. And uh, I've heard about some people discovering another person because they were both doing rhythm patterns in a situation like these two guys who were getting ready to do their ACTs or something like that. And, oh, no, 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 they were doing some exam to get into this school. And so they were sitting out, you know, uh, and uh, um, just drawing these rhythm patterns. And this one guy walks by the other guy and says, Mr. Takumba? And the other one looked up and said, do you know Mr. Takumba? And they were like in California, someplace like that. How cool is that? This woman, this woman told me that she said her friend told her that. And this woman's telling me this friend of the woman that's one of the kids was her son. The friend of the woman that lived over, uh, over on Western or something at some event I was at by the uh, Western State Bank, she's crying while she's telling me this. I'm like, are you okay? She said, it's so beautiful. I mean, I just met you and I just heard your name like four or five months ago. I'm like, lady, take a chill pill. <laughs> I love that. But the minute I thought about it, then I had to go somewhere and, you know, have a tear. She didn't know the, she knew the name of her friend's son, but she didn't know the other one. And supposedly they opened up an agency somewhere in California. Oh, wow. So it's like that. And when I was doing a, a trying to, um, kind of a fundraiser, you know, telling people what my situation was early on before COVID-19 yep. happened big. Um, and there was a person that sent me, you know, uh, just a nice, modest amount of money. But her story was that I had been talking to her children for years as they went to the farmer's market. And she said, and you would let them sit there and look at your artwork and talk to you about your artwork. And she says, and both my sons have graduated, and they still talk about you. And I was like, oh, I wonder why. And she said, because you gave them art. Yeah. I was like, I gave them art? <laughs> what I, was I thinking? <laughs> I, I have probably given away six or 700 pieces, you know, um, especially to friends of mine, kids that are graduating. Sometimes it's a stranger that the, the child just blows me away. And so I write a note to the parent, could you please come back when she graduates or when he graduates uh, to get uh, the graduation present, which is a free piece of my artwork. And this lady walked two blocks down and she came back up and she said, you're serious, aren't you? And I'm like, why wouldn't I be serious? And she said, well, okay, I will, um, I will put it on the calendar. And I'm like, okay. And then she would bring her son back to visit me and he was just like, I'll stay here. Just let me know when you want me to carry the stuff in the farmer's market. Oh. Do you know? I said, did you tell him? And she said, well, I had to, I had to coax him into cleaning his room. <laughs> That's crazy. And I'm like, and that did it? She said, did it do it? Did you see? Did you just hear him? This is, something's changed in him. And I'm like, well, I'm glad, happy that that happened. So, Takumba, what is your sort of, life philosophy like what do you care about the most what you know if if you have to tell us something that is you well, well my 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 saying my mantra the thing that's gotten me through my a lot of painful happenings and a lot of deaths before COVID-19 a lot of um, uh, violence during the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, racism in the 80s and 90s and present. And, but I believe in, I believe in love. <laughs> Got to go see the song. No, um, <laughs> my mother was a healer. And so I believe that I create, well, I've created this saying, I create my art to heal the hearts. Um, I used to say souls, but hearts and souls of people in their communities by evoking a positive spirit. I think that my job is to heal. Now, a lot of people mistake that as sort of the mammy, mamsy, pansy, you know, pushover thing. Um, I will kick somebody's assets if I have to, you know, but it's not necessary if I can talk to them because a lot of people just need somebody to talk to them. You know, I need somebody to talk to me sometime. You know, the amount of talking I've done, 
here, there was 27, 8, 9, maybe 30 years of about this amount of talking, period. You know, I was, uh, I call myself, I finally found a phrase that could describe me as a, um, a, social, uh, a social introvert. Um, I'm in my studio now and I'm in here a lot and I have a large space so I can go over to another room. Actually, I'm just rebuilding this part over here as my studio. Um, I have an atrium gallery outside so I can hang out artwork. I'm at the Lordtown Laws Artist Cooperative. We've been here 34 years. And out of that 34 years, I've spent 30 years in here <laughs> you know, as far as days. But, I, you know, um, I care about people. I care about this world. But I care to put a positive energy out there. Otherwise, we're going to be in a, a whole bunch of trouble if everybody's sucking in the negative energy and then being pulled down from it. You know, I'd rather have that branch that can be pulled out, the vine that I can pull myself out of quicksand. Uh, I, I, I applaud all the artists that are out there right now showing their artwork, pre doing their performances, you know, uh, singing, you know, dancing and putting it online because this is what's going to heal us and keep us from going insane with really insane things that, you know, our world has basically <laughs> been... Uh, being run by a bunch of spoiled kids right now. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, uh, how, did, how did we do that? We got comfortable. And we were like, oh, well, I don't like that person either, so I'm not gonna vote. Or, you know, I'm not gonna say what I think, you know, or nobody's gonna listen to me. I'd rather talk and nobody listen to me and not talk at all. Um, I did enough listening, and now it's for other people to listen. And my artwork speaks for me. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you this piece of artwork right over here. I hope you can see it. It's on the other side. Can you see that? Um, the one on the wall? Yeah. Yes. That's called Awakening. Oh, nice. Good name. Yeah. And you, see this cutout? you see that cutout there? Yes. That was from the one of the shadow spirits we were doing at the Walker, the Walker Art Center's. Okay. Uh, I want to just um, echo what you said about healing and people sometimes thinking healing is kind of mamby-pamby or weak. And I would argue that healing and kindness and love are incredibly strong and powerful. Incredibly strong, you know. Um, if not, well, there have been times in history where, you know, people grow up hard and they raise hard and they raise their kids hard and then they, they grow up strong and then they have another war and grow up strong and have another war. And, you know, everybody kills each other and then you go have to get back at them for killing your relatives or your friends and stuff like that. You know, um, some things need to be corrected, you know, uh, uh, child abuse, uh, women abuse, abuse, period. Bullying out, it's got to go, you know, makes no sense. You know, um, it doesn't do anything, you know, and what it does for the bully is make them worse than what they were before. It doesn't heal anything, you know. So, you know, there's all those kind of things, but my art, um, my, my art is uh, my joy, you know, um, but it's also my savior, you know. Uh, I have, um, I think I might have had bouts of depression and didn't know it. And because I went and picked up a paintbrush or I picked up a pencil or I go, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do it today. Want to make it work for me. Want to make it work for me. I'll just start singing. I That's love the, that. You know? So are I, you a singer? I'm a singer. Yeah, I'm, a, I, <laughs> I'm an improvisational uh, songstress. Mm -hmm. I'm on the lower ebb, uh, ebb of it. Well, there's no lower ebb, but there are people that do it. Um, uh, well and do it for kind of a living you know it's a healing thing for them and like Monkwe and Dosi and you know uh, then there's jazz improvisational artists like Douglas Ewer and um, uh, uh, Donald Washington and when Donald Washington is playing uh, I'll walk in when he's playing at the Black Dog I'll walk in the Black Dog to get coffee and he'll say hey man hey man red bag is over here and I'm like oh no Don. you know I'm like oh, wait 
He says, no, 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 no. You do what you got to do, but the red bag is over here, and it's just percussion instrument. <laughs> and, I, and I'll get there, and I'll sing, and I'm looking, I'm looking. He said, you started. And then I go somewhere. So you play. And, and I come out a long time later with people staring. He says, that's the Kumba. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to um, uh, uh, perform with um, Donald and uh, the late J. Otis Powell, a uh, poet and, and uh, uh, prophet. Um, uh, I called him the godfather of souls. And I, I, I found that out later because he repeated it. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember. And he said, yes, you did. But you don't remember a lot of things you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so I, um, I'm really blessed with uh, both parents. Father was stern. He was no, I would say he was like the enforcer in the community. You know, came out of a community of Armenian, Chinese, Polish, uh, African-Americans from the South, African-Americans from the East, you know, um, uh, German, Jewish, grew up, I grew up in a Judeo-Christian kind of uh, learning system. Um, I love languages because I love the sound of them. Uh, most of them. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you which ones I didn't love because I always get in trouble when I do that. But yeah, it's, good plan. Really good. Yeah. And um, uh, I love people. So what am I going to do, you know? Just be out there and be for them. Well, and that's clear with your art. Your art is, it touches our souls, Tacumba. And I, I think that's what you want to do. And I think it is what you do. And I want to thank you for that. And thank you so much for being part of the auction and for talking with us today. You are always a pleasure. And I will be very interested to see if you do other things to that, because I know that you are always creating and thinking. So I can't wait to see the final product. It could turn into something that looks like uh, even this, or or uh, let's see if that's with like that. I believe you. So I can't wait to see what you finally give me in a couple weeks because yeah. uh, this is tape painted tape collages. So oh. this is the latest. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's fantastic because they come off of the other paintings, so I can't throw them away because it's a painting. I love it. So look forward to, oh yeah. That, those are fantastic. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm debating if I'm going to sell them. I was doing them for a show that I was supposed to be doing in uh, Colorado when I did a talk in Colorado at the uh, Conference on World Affairs. Okay. And it got canceled. That was my new international um introduction to the world again okay but uh i guess god had to do something else first and so i don't mind waiting but i have something to show them when i those are amazing well we cannot see we can't wait to see what comes next for you and yes. thank you, i thank you so much for being on this podcast you are as always charming and interesting and i could talk to you for six more hours you're no more, no more hours. <laughs> so thank you to kumba um we'll wait to see your piece and good luck uh, on your project Lori, and i'm gonna just sign off thank you so much you're welcome